Good morning everybody and welcome to our online moment of worship and reflection for Sunday the 19th of December. This evening is our annual candlelit carol service that begins at 7pm and then our Christmas morning service is at 10.30am. There will be a normal if slightly shorter service in church on Boxing Day at the usual time of 11am lasting maybe for about half an hour. Do remember our World Development Appeal at this time of year, which this Christmas is supporting a couple of very worthwhile sustainable projects in Ethiopia and Haiti through our partners in those places. Today in church we are lighting the fourth of our Advent candles. Perhaps where you are you might like to, to light a candle of your own to remember that we worship together with all God's people knowing his living presence with us. Our fourth candle today is love. From the Gospel of John, we hear, I give you a new commandment, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also should love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Let's pray. And the word became flesh and lived among us full of grace and truth. Lord, we prepare for your coming. We come to stand amazed at the manner of your coming into our world. We come to acknowledge your supreme act of grace and the unfathomable riches of your truth. We come to receive your mercy. We come to receive your healing love. We come to be made whole. We come utterly overwhelmed and full of praise and wonder that you came at all. Lord, help us, like the shepherds, to come and worship you today, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, born in Bethlehem in a stable and laying in a manger. Like the angelic host punctured that night sky on that first Christmas with their brightness and stilled the beating hearts of the terrified shepherds as they announced good news that would bring great joy for all people. Today in the town of David a Saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Lord, pierce our darkness once again with this great light, this wonderful good news. We worship our King who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. When our reading for this morning is taken from the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 9, and we're reading verses 1 through to 7. Let us hear the word of God. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future he will honour Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. 
and those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And may God bless to us this reading of his word. Amen. McCracken is a neighbourhood church, so let me just see how well you know your local neighbourhood. Uh, let's just see if you recognise these local places. The first one, Whitefield. I wonder, could you give me some directions to Whitefield? Or would you like to hazard a guess as to where that might be? Well, perhaps if I tell you the name it's better known by is Finnehy or Finnicky, then you'll know exactly where I mean. What about this one? The Plain of Lewin. Well, yes, that one refers to the very place that we, we normally worship Sunday by Sunday, the area of Malone. Uh, what about the place known as the Sweet Stream or the Gentle Stream? Well, that one is Stramillus, the original meaning of Stramillus. Um, you're maybe good at that, but uh, I dare say that not many of you could tell me how to get to the land of Zebulun or how to get to the land of Naphtali. You probably don't have a clue where I'm talking about. Zebulun, Naphtali. It's funny, isn't it? We've probably heard those place names mentioned at some point every Christmas, especially if we come along to the candlelit carol service and hear them in the readings. But maybe we haven't stopped to ask where those places actually are. But if I call them by some of their other better known names, if I were to give them names that were more contemporary with the time of Jesus, like Galilee, or like Capernaum, or Nazareth, well, those names might just mean something more to you. Places that were located in the farthest northern reaches of the land of Palestine, and places that are very familiar to us as we read the Gospels. The prophet Isaiah declares, Land of Zebulun, and land of Naphtali, the way to the sea along the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. And those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Now, why were these places given special mention by Isaiah? Well, if you look at the preceding chapters in Isaiah, he's just been describing and prophesying some pretty dark days for all the people of Israel, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. 
People in Isaiah's day were disobedient. They were looking in lots of different directions for answers to their problems, consulting spirits and mediums, believing conspiracies, trusting in their own uh, compromising alliances and strategies for their for their own security, but never thinking to consult God. And all these things, says Isaiah, offer them no light, no light of dawn, no light at the end of the dark tunnel that they find themselves in, no light of God's word and God's counsel, only more darkness and more distress. And the problems they were facing, well, the Assyrians had invaded and the regions that were first to fall under the Assyrian oppression were precisely the lands of Zebulun and Naphtali, up in the far north of the northern kingdom of Israel. When this great army from the north invaded Israel, it was the lands of Zebulun and Naphtali who suffered at first and who suffered at the most. Their distress and their darkness and their gloom, says Isaiah, at the end of chapter 8, was an utter darkness, a picture of hopelessness. By the end of chapter 8, we're left desperately looking for a chink of light there, but there's none to be found. On Newsline on Wednesday evening, the news was sounding pretty gloomy as the, the reality of Omicron spread began to sink in. And so one of the reporters, perhaps to cheer us all up a bit, went out onto the streets of Belfast looking for chinks of light. What are your chinks of light at this time? They asked the public. One person answered chocolate. Another person suggested mindfulness. Somebody else said getting outdoors, enjoying the fresh air. Another family hugs, access to their elderly relatives. Uh, are there any chinks of light that have sustained you and perhaps surprised you in the past year? Well, Isaiah, at the beginning of our reading today, hits us with a tremendous surprise. Not a mere chink of light, but a great light. Not simply a light for those in Judah, but a light so bright that it pierces the very darkest places, even to those in the lands of Sebulun and Naphtali, Galilee of the Gentiles. Yes, even away up there, those farthest away from the blessings of the covenant of God with his people even to those without hope, to those in utter darkness. Isaiah says to them, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future he will honour Galilee of the Gentiles. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Isaiah is identifying an event in history that would be a turning point when things would never be quite the same again. And he talks about it as if it's already happened, which was quite a common technique used by the Old Testament prophets just to underline that the fulfillment of these things was certain. It was as good as done. And so he goes on to say, For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it 
with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And what will accomplish this great thing? Will this promise be provisional upon parliamentary backing or popular support? No, Isaiah says. Rest assured that this is not a vain promise because the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish it. The great news, the great light for us, even today, is that around 2,000 years ago, this child was born, this son was given. Isaiah's tremendous prophecy of a time of God's great blessing and dawning of light finds its fulfilment in the birth of Jesus. Jesus, who was born in Bethlehem and grew up in the town of Nazareth, beginning his public ministry not in Judah and Jerusalem, but in the far away darkest regions of the north, in Capernaum and in the region of Galilee. Writing 800 years after Isaiah, Matthew writes in his gospel that Jesus, leaving Nazareth, went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfil what was said by the prophet Isaiah. Zebulun and Naphtali, that place of darkness, that place of judgment, whose people had fallen under the oppressive forces of the Assyrians and had been the first to suffer and who suffered the most. Yet according to Isaiah's prophecy of what would happen and according to Matthew's account of what did happen, it was those very areas which were the first to experience the blessing of God, the first to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ from the very lips of Jesus. Yes, in the past they had lived under the shadow of God's displeasure. Now they experienced the light of God's grace and favour. And that grace and favour extends to us in our day as well, in this new era that we live in today after the birth of Jesus, an era characterised by light instead of darkness and hope instead of despair. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And here we see that this promise of God's grace and favour is not just for those living in the furthest most parts of the northern kingdom of Israel. If they were in utter darkness, what does that say for the rest of us? But this promise is for us, is for the world the Gentiles, the nations of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. In Ephesians, Paul writes to Gentile believers, at one time you were excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. And this new era of God's blessing and God's favour would be ushered in, according to Isaiah, through the birth of a child. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. 
Isaiah speaks of this era as being the cause of great joy. The things that bring us joy today are probably quite different from the things that brought joy to people of Isaiah's day. Back then it was quite simple, basic things like enough food to eat and safety and security. And so that's the kind of images that Isaiah uses to illustrate the joy of this time of God's blessing. Like that of people rejoicing at harvest time or rejoicing over the plunder following the defeat of an enemy. Such will be the joy of those who experience the blessing of living under the reign of this King of Kings and Prince of Peace. In First Peter it says of the, those Christians like us living at this time of Jesus coming, though you have not seen him yourself, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Why? But because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Isaiah also speaks of this era that we're in as one of great deliverance. Again, he uses images to illustrate this that were familiar to people of his day. Images of military victory and deliverance from oppressors. The yoke across their shoulders being shattered. The rod of their oppressor smashed. Jesus the Messiah has come to deliver people from all kinds of oppression and burdens and injustices in this world. From sickness from poverty, conflict and exploitation. But all of those things are impossible without his deliverance from the greatest of all enemies, the power of death and sin and Satan. In Hebrews chapter 2 we read, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. Isn't that what Christmas is all about? Jesus coming to share in our humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. At the very end of a gloomy week in the news, let's remember that at Christmas we celebrate the fact that a great light has dawned, whose brightness penetrates and can light up the darkest places, the darkest circumstances and the darkest moments in our lives. May his light shine brightly into your life this Christmas. Amen. Let us come now before God with our prayers for one another and our prayers for our world. Let's pray. Loving Father, as we thank you for the joy of Christmas, we bring to you those for whom this season is clouded by gloom, by despair, by sickness or fearfulness, by poverty or homelessness, by loneliness or bereavement. Lord, keep them from bitterness as they remember the birth of him who for our sake became poor that we might possess true riches. That just as heaven couldn't contain its joy that night of our Saviour's birth, so too may they find 
May they in us find in our hearts an echo of that song sung by the host of angels as they appeared to those shepherds in the fields outside Bethlehem. We think, Lord, of all of those who are grieving this week or or maybe feeling more intensely the pain of past losses. We think, too, of the many people who might find themselves on their own, people for whom Christmas is simply full of memories, both fond and painful. And for those who are in hospital or care or unexpected and difficult circumstances this Christmas. Lord, may each one be lifted and comforted by the message of peace and love and salvation that lies at the heart of this season. We give you thanks, Lord, for the opportunity at Christmas for reunions and family get-togethers, for friends coming together, for family coming home. Lord, bless this time in our homes and our families and in the wider family of our church in this place and protect all who are travelling to different places in the coming week. We pray, Lord, for you to help our leaders at this time to give good, wise guidance. We pray, Lord, that our hospitals will not be overwhelmed by this new unexpected wave. Keep us safe as we meet and as we worship together in our homes and in our churches over Christmas time. We pray for this year's World Development Appeal. Um, We pray that the help given will bring real help and real transformation to people in Ethiopia and Haiti. Lord, help people in both these places as they struggle in the front line of climate change to find a way out of poverty. Give them hope, Lord. And we pray too, Lord, for peace and reconciliation in Ethiopia, which is very recently experienced conflict that's ongoing. Lord, hear our prayers as we pray in Christ's name. Amen. And now may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son and Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you this day and forevermore. Amen.